Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today, the show of Outlier Ventures, Jamie Burke. This is Technotopia. In the next 60 seconds, you're going to learn how the Flatiron School can change your life. The Flatiron School will help teach you everything you need to get the job in code, data science, or design. But they'll also prepare you for the jobs that don't even exist yet. Because this is a school designed to educate you in the art of change. So if you're feeling stuck, bored, or unfulfilled, Flatiron will teach you how to change things. You'll learn by making things, breaking things, and discovering how the future is being built. The results speak for themselves. Go to flatironschool.com slash podcast and read about our graduates' new careers, salary ranges, upcoming courses, and explore these exciting new careers. You can start building your own career in coding, data science, or digital design at one of Flatiron's local WeWork campuses, or you can take courses online. Go to flatironschool.com slash podcast, read the reviews, and sign up for a free intro course. That's all we ask. Enrollment is now open. It's time to future-proof yourself and change things, fix things, make things better, starting with you. Flatironschool.com slash podcast. Welcome back to Techtopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Jamie Burke. He's CEO and founder of Outlier Ventures. Uh, greetings, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Thanks for having me. So you're in Bulgaria. What are you doing in Bulgaria right now? Yeah, rather randomly. So no- normally I'm in uh, London, but... Um, You've Brexited? Yeah, well, no, not yet. Not yet. I'm, still, I'm still holding on to the bat, that's not really Okay, good, good, good. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, so, no, I'm kind of just starting to... This year, I made a kind of commitment to myself, really, and I guess that the ecosystem that I would try to explore and connect up to ecosystems that are outside of the usual places in, in, in my world, the blockchain world, so, mm-hmm. you know, London... Um, uh, Zurich or Berlin and uh, try to kind of go to places slightly off the beaten track. So um, I've been invited to about 10 different cities to do some meetups and um, what have you. And the first one is here in Sofia in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Okay. What what made you think that, or what made you think to, uh, to expand outside of those spaces? Because it was being approached a lot by... Um, dev shops, startups that um, I hadn't heard of before that were kind of coming through um, our due diligence team. And there there started to appear to be kind of new clustering. So um, developer communities that are already fairly developed anyway um, in Eastern Europe and Baltic states, but that uh, seem to be doing a lot more work in, in the blockchain and crypto space. And so, um, you know, part out of being intrigued to, to see how you know mature these ecosystems were. And then also, you know, at, at Outlier, we, we, we try to kind of work hard to, um, to find opportunities a- ahead of the pack um, so we can kind of work with them early stage. So, um, so here I am. I mean, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the ICO hype came out of uh, some of the Balkans, some of Central Europe, some Eastern Europe. Um, is there is there or the ICO hype? I'm sorry. Uh, is there a lot of that still floating around, or is there has it has it died down a little bit? It seems to have died down a bit, um, but I, I guess you know the, these these kind of places have quite a, a history of 
well-established technical universities, you know, pretty deep ecosystems, and then you know, even um, because of the Soviet area, um, you know, well-developed kind of communities around cryptography and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think it's it's natural that crypto has a fairly big presence in in these regions. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, at the kind of height of the whole ICO mania, there, there did seem to be a, a lot coming out of certainly Eastern Europe and, and Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the story was that Bulgaria had had some of the earliest computers because they were and they actually built some of the first viruses as well. I remember that distinctly uh, back in the seventies and eighties. So tell me about what you're looking for in terms of investing in the future of blockchain. A lot of people are saying that blockchain is the, the crypto winter is going to be permanent, et cetera, et cetera. What's your take on that right now? Yeah, so we've been investing in the space for just under five years. So we were Europe's first dedicated blockchain fund. Um, so we've ridden that whole journey and a couple of cycles within it and we, we kind of remain convinced and committed to the fact that um, distributed ledger technology and uh, digital assets uh, underpinned by cryptography are foundational to, to the next phase of the web that hasn't changed um, and you know in the build-up to the whole ICO mania of 2017 we continuously warned or cautioned that many of the use cases that were being pushed simply didn't have the infrastructure to enable them. And so um, I think it's kind of classic Gartner hype cycle that the hype overtook the tech. I think the difference uh, in this space was, you know, when, when the innovation is the ability effectively to issue digital assets mm-hmm. or, you know, digital money, um, then I guess that exaggerates and distorts that hype cycle because, you know, if, if the innovation is money itself, um, or at least, you know, new forms of digital asset, which is currency or what have you, then that's going to attract much more capital and much more hype. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of continued to invest in our thesis, which was primarily infrastructure, um, throughout that, we, we didn't get caught up um, in the ICO mania. Many of the ICOs that happened, we just didn't participate in. Mm-hmm. And most of the things that we invested in did not ICO in 2017 or 18, um, but raised privately um, tens of millions to build out the technology and uh, only now just kind of launching their networks and Fetch is a good example of that, the second one to go out of um, Binance Launchpad this year um, with a you know, pretty mature technology stack, team of 30, 40 people already, machine learning experts and what have you. So um, we've kind of just continued to, to do what we do. We've, we've, all, we've always maintained the discipline of venture, um, but you know, slightly tweaked for investing into tokenized networks and then behind that i guess the thing that's allowed that consistency in how we engage and invest in the space is we have a very strong thesis uh, which of course evolves but 
um, the the thing that was always interesting to us was to invest in open source, um, primarily unpermissioned tokenized networks, and where there was the intersection between DLT and things like IoT, machine learning. Um, so where DLT and crypto assets could be applied to um, the machine-to-machine economy or you know, kind of the, the AI or, or, or digital agent um, space. Mm-hmm. Why, is, why is this technology foundational? I think a lot of people are still asking that question. What is the, what is the future of this technology look like in, in 10 years? Yeah, well, again, we have a slightly different take to most people. So I think most people, when they think about crypto, cryptocurrency and blockchains they think that it is about people knowingly adopting new digital currencies or a new digital mm-hmm. money um and actually that's probably the hardest thing to happen um has the most friction points and uh, i i believe will only be a small portion of where most of the value that's going to be flowing through these ledgers comes from so um, if you, and you'll be well aware of this, I'm sure most of your audience will, but there are now more devices connected to the internet than people. Um, 50% of all web traffic is from bots and half of that is from malicious bots. So when you think about the, it, the internet population, people are, are shrinking part of it. You've got a growing amount of machines wanting to communicate with other machines uh, we're moving from, you know, kind of these very crude bots, which are just an annoying kind of conversational mm-hmm. user interface, to increasingly digital representatives that will have economic agency and will carry out economic activity on our behalf. And so the value that's going to flow between machines, between digital representatives, is going to be invisible to most people. And but it's going to be the kind of main economic payload that these ledgers are going to have to enable. So for us, what's most exciting about this technology is that for the first time ever, we have um, an economic layer that is native to the web. So of course, Mm -hmm. a lot of people say that Bitcoin is the first money that's native to the web, but because that was open source and we now have this, um, toolkit where anybody anywhere in the world can create a ledger, can issue a digital asset um, and can program rules into that asset and ledger. Um, It means all of a sudden we have an infrastructure that can um, enable uh, an economic layer that's native to the web and that can handle um, very low value, sometimes, uh, you know, kind of transactions that have uh, note a little value mm-hmm. it's just data being passed between iot devices um you know previously there was no no way that that could be carried out unless you relied upon a centralized party um and of course especially in the context of iot that made um uh, it hugely vulnerable and so if you think about the internet outage that happened uh, on the east coast i think it was of the us a few years back mm-hmm. That was primarily because you know, this IoT um, value chain is, is is so insecure. So, with this kind of new infrastructure, we can enable a decentralized, 
automated and in increasingly autonomous marketplaces um, where devices, people, um, but digital representatives can transact um, at a very high throughput. Hmm. So the so the again so I think we've discussed this before on the show the idea that the that the technology doesn't that the technology uh, that the technology isn't the key here the real the real key is actually the um, well no I'm sorry the cryptocurrency isn't the key here the real key is the technology behind the scenes right yeah exactly so uh, we think so the reason we, we think there will be thousands tens of thousands of crypto assets, um, but we don't think that they will be used as currencies by people. Um, so the, the, the focus of tokenization for us is the idea that through tokenization, you can um, add incentives and disincentives to these ledgers mm -hmm. uh, in order that um, you can apply game theory to make to make them function function in an orderly way, um, and um, so, so that is the power of tokenization. And um, we do a lot of token design with the projects that we invest in and advise. And the purpose of token design is to be able to optimize a network um, for a particular um, objective function. And that objective function should, should be as simple as possible. It should, mm -hmm. You should be able to express it in a mathematical equation in order that you can validate it, you can test it, and you can optimize it. And therefore, um, it, a token can't be complex. It has to be incredibly simple. And I think if you look at a lot of the Generation 1 ledgers, you know they ended up with a one-token system that was supposed to work for um, hundreds of different use cases. Um, now what's starting to happen is people are um, creating tokenized systems to optimize for a very particular thing. And now we've got uh, a lot more focus on interoperability. Mm -hmm. What we have is um, kind of a, a universe of ledgers um, with tokens that are optimizing for very particular things that we'll need to have data interoperability and value interoperability, um, but each are kind of optimizing for a particular thing, a particular inefficiency or a particular game. Now, um, if you think about uh, the, the benefit of these systems or these games being played by um, digital representatives or machines, mm -hmm. that they are inherently or at least you would assume more logical than people so the the, the messy thing about um economics and why most um most kind of projections that are pushed out by economists are wrong is because people are messy irrational and they, they presuppose rationality whilst if you're talking about um designing for a system that incentivizes and disincentivizes machines mm -hmm. to behave in a certain way, then um, the the thinking goes that they they will be more logical and therefore these systems can become more orderly. Um, and so a lot of that optimization is going to be done behind the scenes by machines, by digital representatives, and, and they will kind of orchestrate our world. But as an end user, 
Um, I will be no more aware of these protocols than I am of SMTP or HTTP. Sure. So I mean, it, it feels so there's there's two there's two points I wanted to hit on. It, so, it sounds like the vision that uh, you guys are supporting is the idea of sort of a serverless serverless model where where ledgers sort of sit in a in a vacuum. They have no input. They have inputs and outputs, but every but there's very little other connection with other uh, devices. And I think secondly, you're basically saying that. Even though humans aren't rational, the systems that we're going to be creating are going to rationalize for us and give us give us the best advice for the situation at hand. Is that is that something that's uh, that's coming coming through? If yeah, if we design them well enough, and so you know we 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 can also it's important that we're not too utopic about this. So you know, designing for a tokenized network. Is, is orders of magnitude more complex than, you know, designing a startup mm-hmm. because um, on the one hand, it needs to potentially serve startups or enterprise or consumer markets. Um, but it, it is a, an open source system. Um, uh, it is B an economy and with all the complexities that go with any economy. Um, and, you know, you are, ultimately having to have this thing optimized you're gonna to have to you know, build in some assumptions into it and you're gonna to have to make sure it's not uh too fragile and so again if you look at a lot of the kind of generation one protocols um they hard-coded a lot of assumptions um into the network mm-hmm. and then tried to push for an extreme form of decentralization um day one and what happened was is that they made very brittle, fragile systems because, a lot, of course, naturally, a lot of those assumptions are going to be wrong. And they, unlike a lean startup, which can kind of validate, test, and evolve, um, they were kind of this, this these very brittle, rigid um, digital economies. And, and often mm-hmm. they broke, or there was going to be a fork and everything else. So, um, you know, you think about the different competencies that, that you need to be able to design for these things. So you have to have uh, people that can think through systems, um, systems thinking, engineering, because you need these systems to be safe, um, uh, as safe as a, uh, as a, as a physical bridge, for example, in terms of the kind of math that underpins it, given the economic payload that it's going to have to handle. Um, you know, you need uh, cryptographers, you need, um, game theorists, behavioral economists, there's um, a mixture of different competencies that have to be combined mm-hmm. in order for you to stand a chance of both designing for and then kind of governing these these systems. Um, so it draws from so many different disciplines and there's lots of really interesting work. I mean, we have a kind of a, a, a mini universe of that outlier, but of course no one organization can have all of that under one roof um there's a number of token engineering meetups that go on around the world we host the london chapter and the toronto chapter mm-hmm. which bring these kind of different people together to 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 think about um how we can design for um these systems but you know as as we know from just looking at high frequency trading in capital markets as it is today um you know the assumption that uh, these all these algorithms are going to be rational 
doesn't always play out. You know, you mm-hmm. get these crashes where they kind of just compound each other's errors. Or um, so uh, we definitely can't be. Uh, we, we can't think that just because um, machines should be more logical that on mass they're necessarily going to be. Mm-hmm. What does the space need right now? What is it? What is it uh, missing? Well, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd say what it needed was a crypto winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I did a post the beginning part of 2018, which pretty much said, you know, we need a crypto winter. We need to take a lot of the heat out of the market. We need to get back to fundamentals, to focusing on building our infrastructure, to take a more kind of classic venture approach to how projects are given money and, um, you know, how they unlock money by actually delivering stuff and you know founders kind of rewards vest uh, are based against success metrics so we're starting to kind of get much more discipline coming back to the market and of course you know the people that really care about um the technology and its potential are still here and they're busily building and uh, they're able to raise capital just you know albeit not necessarily through a massive ICO, but sometimes uh, in equity almost as a mm-hmm. bridge to get them towards a tokenized network. So on the whole, I'm, I'm really happy with the direction that the space is taking. There's much more, there's less dogmatism now. There's much more pragmatism about decentralization as a spectrum rather than the binary, you know, you're decentralized or you're centralized. Mm-hmm. Um, so people be more, much more pragmatic about the decisions that they're making to allow for this scalability. There's much more focus on interoperability, which shows an acceptance that there will be multiple ledgers rather than the kind of dogma that there would be one or one or two to rule them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, on the whole, it's going the right direction. The kind of next phase that we're in is, um, is, is an industry cro- crossing the chasm. So if you look at, um, if you look at blockchain and crypto in the context of the diffusion of innovation, um, you know, we're at the stage where it was primarily being driven and adopted by the innovators themselves, of course, with a lot of speculation around it. Um, and now we're at the point whereby um, there is a lot of enterprise interest, certainly in the use cases that we're interested in. Um, so outside of just this kind of narrow Um, financial services realm, you know, looking at applicability into the machine to machine economy, smart cities, transportation, um, mobility, these kind of areas. Mm -hmm. Um, There's getting, there's a lot more traction pickup from enterprise, but you know, they're still, they're still waiting for a usable technology stack. And so what we've, what we've got to try to do is, wrap around the technologists, the people that are solving really hard technical problems, um, they now need kind of commercial entities wrapped around them mm-hmm. uh, in order that there is an entity that can engage with enterprise and can go through the boring part of a sales cycle or integration and process mapping. And um, so, you know, we, we need kind of a whole industry of integrators and, um, kind of enterprise consulting firms to to kind of grow around this nascent technology stack. All right, very cool. Uh, Jamie, how can uh, folks get in touch with you if, if they need cash? You're going to send them some checks. 
<laughs> yeah, well, um, they can uh, tweet me at Jamie247. They can go to uh, our website, which is outlierventures.io, and there's a million different touch points linked in as well. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. Jamie Burke, uh, CEO founder at Outlier Ventures. This has been Technotopia. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, John. This has been Technotopia. We will see you next week. By Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Technotopia is also sponsored by CheapTranscription.io. CheapTranscription offers 10 cents per minute transcriptions using our happy robots or 85 cents per minute using our human assistants. CheapTranscription.io is cheaper and faster than everyone else. CheapTranscription.io. 